Hey, hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of Earthworks Hub, where we talk everything Earthworks. Uh, I'm your host, Ivan Olovic from Eagle One Industries, and with me today, I've got a special guest, Sean Pollard from Melbourne Tractors. Uh, just a, a quick uh, brief on that. I bought my first excavator from uh, Melbourne Tractors. Actually, it was from their Ballarat branch, and this is going back maybe 11 years ago now. Um, it was an SK210, a 21-ton excavator, and then since since that time, I've had a strong relationship with these guys. Bought multiple machinery from them. They've helped me out with, um, you know, uh, sales, servicing, warranty, um, insurance, any, anything like that. They've helped me with that finance. So. Um, yeah, we've definitely built a, a good relationship over all the years, um, and they're a sponsor of this um, show. So thank you very much to Melbourne Tractors. Um, and then I'm, I was sort of thinking how to break this episode up. I think we might break it up into three parts. Um, one, I'll first talk to Sean, I suppose, about himself. The second one about Melbourne Tractors uh, as a company, and then the third one um, about the equipment they sell. So uh, thank you. Welcome to the show, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ivan. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously our relationship um, predates me starting with Melbourne Tractors, but um, look, it's good to listen to these podcasts and uh, the different people you're getting on and um, hopefully today's a little bit different with uh, a salesperson as opposed to the guys that you have operating and that as well. So maybe the sales, uh, sorry, the, the customers that you're dealing with and, and or we deal with and the operators can get a different insight into what our life's a bit like uh, within the industry. That's so true. That's so true. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, we'll start with a, a, a bit of uh, info on yourself. Um, I mean, what, can you tell us what you do at Melbourne Tractors and, and how you sort of got into the industry? Yeah, so I started with Melbourne Tractors back in 2014, um, having spent probably nine years prior to that uh, with Digger Australia, who are um, a local earth moving attachment manufacturer. Um, and I'd had a pretty good relationship with the, the team at Melbourne Tractors. They were our biggest uh, customer at the time. Uh, we dealt with OEMs fairly exclusively when I was at Digger. Um, you still dealt with a portion of the direct market, but a lot of stuff was pushed back through your, your OEM, your manufacturers, because they're the ones that are bundling things together. Um, yeah, really, really good company to work for back uh, at Digger where I started to get into the industry. Um, and I, I got that job um, through a friend of mine. Um, and I just started uh, in, in, I guess, sales administration. Um, got to learn the product um, as far as what we sold, and then you start learning about the equipment in the industry uh, that, it, that it bolts onto and excavators and, and skid steers and um, you know, backhoe loaders and things that have evolved today with, with track loaders and things like that. Um, I worked my way through Digger in the, in the duration of time I'd been there to, um, to become a sales rep um, and start selling the equipment um, externally and build those relationships with our OEMs, which is, you know, something that was, was um, I guess, driven through the company there. It's, it's you build those relationships um, through the OEMs, um, you know, you're selling to them uh, as, as a large-scale client um, and just ensuring that you're meeting their needs, um, making them aware of the products that are coming out and, and things like that. Uh, and I finished up there sort of running the, the branch here in, in Victoria, so as their branch manager for about four years. And then, yeah, sort of made a change across to um, something a bit different, um, which has been a really good change for me. Um, working with Melbourne Tractors, a family-owned business, which was 
again, Digger, Digger essentially have the roots of a family-owned business and um, the two businesses are actually fairly similar as far as establishing. I think Digger was 1981 and um, Melbourne Tractors is 1983. So we just celebrated our 40th anniversary a couple of weeks ago or this year as well. Um, and it's good to work for family-owned and operated businesses. Um, sometimes you can sort of get caught up in some of the the corporate side of companies and, and things can become a bit difficult and you've got to jump through hoops and whilst certain things are important in business, I think the foundations of keeping things pretty simple are um, what um, helps our business grow really well. Um, yeah, look, I haven't looked back since I started up at, um, at Melbourne Tractors, as I said, back in 2014. I'll, I'll, I'll be here 10 years next year. I still get people ringing me and saying, oh, you, you know, you're still there. Um, you know, we're, I don't know what they expect. Sometimes they're probably used to salesmen rotating phone numbers every two or three years. But um, a lot of our key staff have been here for a long time. Um, I'm probably, you know, midterm, there's some guys that have been there 20, 25 years. There's some staff that have been there nearly touching 40 years. So I think that's a great, um, you know, uh, highlight on the company and reflection of the company and, um, you know, people that do work for the company and, and they're, they're invested into that as well. So it's been, it's been good. It's it, the diversity of going into a role, I guess, away from managing people, um, was probably something I would prefer to do and building relationships with my clients, direct and one-on-one, the likes of yourself and um, and that, you know, you don't always have to sell someone a machine to, to build that relationship. But it's obviously important. It helps you get there in the end. But, you know, there's obviously clients that sometimes we can't fill their needs for a, a particular machine or a particular reason where, um, you know, it's not a matter of we don't talk to them anymore. We still talk to them, um, you know, as well. So um, you're probably no different to that. You've sort of downsized your business away and, and we've actually helped you in, a, in, as you said, in a few ways where Melbourne Tractors have been a little bit flexible to assist in situations where um, you had a, a requirement for a machine that you had no operator for and uh, we're able to help you, you know, move that on. So not only can, you, can we sell you an excavator, but we can also offer assistance if you needed to try and find you to rehouse an excavator. And um, that's actually something that, you know, in the, in the last sort of 12 months from time to time has sort of come up. If that's true, you do, you offer a lot more than just, just sales, you know. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably touch on that a bit more as we talk about the company as well. But um, yeah, I was going to ask you about what sort of uh, challenges you have. And one of them, I suppose, would have been COVID. Um, how did you guys go through the COVID period? Uh, as a business, and I, as I think most people in Earth Moving, um, initially uh, we we thought the handbrakes were going to get pulled up. It was a bit of an unknown. We didn't know what was happening. And um, to be honest, you talk to customers, you know, back then and even now, and for, for the first four, five, or six weeks, people were working pretty frantically to try and continue working, uh, get as much done as they could in case you know we obviously went into these lockdowns and how that affected us. But uh, we we thrived. Um, because our customers did, for no other reason that our customers were thriving. Obviously, that was through the industry, so did we. Um, the government obviously put some incentives in place that assisted people purchasing assets and things like that where they could immediately write off their assets. But um, in that sense, as far as business went, it, it was um, it was strong as far as demand for equipment. Um, we obviously saw towards the back end of COVID, the demand for used equipment was um, extremely um insane you know to the level we'd never seen it before so um with those challenges that that was because sometimes you found new machine supply was quite uh, quite a challenge and um with some of the brands we dealt with they were pricing became a challenge um you know depending on where equipment was coming from and, and the global impact on exchange rates and diesel as we saw locally here and, and transporting equipment from overseas um, energy costs and stuff like that. So there's definitely some certain challenges there from a, a cost point of view with machines coming into the country. Um, but, 
yeah, as I said, as a sales point of view, um, we, we thrive, but we're still dealing with uh, dealing with some of our products with some some large back orders, and probably the biggest one that affected us was our ASV PosiTrack loaders. Um, there was just such a demand from, and uh, and that demand continued to grow, and people continued to order them, even though the lead times blew out to twelve months. They blew out to two years. Um, there was still a huge demand for clients to to add to their fleet because of the work they were doing. So that side of things was a fairly big challenge for us. Um, Cabelco. Um, seemed to prep themselves fairly well. We did see some shortages of supply on some equipment, but our lead times on them didn't get blown out too bad. So, and, um, you know, we sort of benefited from that. We're still continuing as a business um, to grow year on year. Um, our role was pretty challenging though. Like as a, you know, my role is a, is a retail role. Um, so become lockdown, we were, we were working from home. So that side of things, you know, from a from a personal side of things, was a was a real challenge, um, and I'd obviously never like to go back to that. It was a really unique situation to find ourselves in to work from home, which you do get some benefits of working from home. But um, I think the downfall of that was that, um, yeah, obviously we're, we're homeschooling our kids and and trying to do the best we could in an environment that was really challenging and as demanding as it was. And my phone's ringing. You're trying to balance your kids here and your your, your job there. At, um, yeah, it was a bit challenging, a bit overwhelming at times, to be honest. And um, we all sort of went through that in, in different ways and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the, 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 the kicker to that might, might have been we, we sort of got to share some time with my young family where I got, I got to see my youngest bloke lose his tooth and a few little things along the way that if I was at work, I probably wouldn't have been near or around that, you know, when certain things happened as well. So you try and take the positive out of things. But looking back at what we went through and in, in that side of things from a, from a personal um, role um, was quite challenging. Our mechanics, our parts guys, um, you know, guys in, in the admin, they, they continue to go to the office. Um, but, but yeah, as our, our role being a retail role was yeah, a bit challenging. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. Uh, we're probably quite lucky that a lot of us in the construction industry could keep working because um, I think we're one of the minority that we're allowed to keep working. So, um, yeah, there is, and look, even 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 selling equipment through that period was was very um, different to what we'd been through previously. Um, you you would sell machines um, sight unseen to customers. You know, obviously, new machines that's um, it's a new machine, so um, that's generally straightforward. But you didn't get that chance to probably go and see that client and and do what we do and what we pride ourselves on as far as going out and seeing the client to to ensure that deal was done face to face. Um, and then even handing over the machine, um, yeah, we were restricted from sort of doing that in some capacity. But as I said, used equipment, a lot of stuff was just basically, you know, I sold machines by texting. You know, I sold, sold machines by a phone call and um, you'd meet the client for the first time when you're maybe delivering the machine or, or post that when you might have been delivering some parts. So as you said, you, you were extremely busy and, and you know, the only reason that we became extremely busy because the industry as a whole was was busy and, and civil construction, I think, benefited because they did open up a lot more jobs based on things being closed, especially in sort of metropolitan Melbourne, um, less less volume of cars and people on the roads. So they could sort of get a few of those projects done whilst there was limited people out and about. Yeah. <laughs> um, just going back to you were talking about sales and stuff, how has like uh, technology changed the sales role for you? Like now, you know, people are obviously getting more more attachments and and technology on their machines so like gps's machine controller has that sort of um i suppose that would have made you have to learn about all that stuff as well yeah yeah definitely um understanding where the market's going um what people are wanting um what what tools are out there to make their their jobs easier is something that we've got to you know try and stay pretty attuned with um there's not always sort of one brand with that sort of stuff as well so you've got 
different clients and, and different needs um, from different brands of some of that technology as well. Um, yeah, so um, we, we sort of lean on our local suppliers for that sort of gear um, when, when, we, when we want to understand what they offer and what they do. Um, but, the, yeah, it's all also dictated by the sites that, that clients are working on now and where that demand. We, we are seeing a growth for that GPS. Um, uh, you know, we are seeing growth probably in the last four years for more clients buying a machine with a tilt hitch. Um, you know, more so than ever before. So uh, we're starting to talk to clients now about um, tilt rotators through all the different brands that are, off- are offered through that as well. We've supplied, a, you know, we've supplied a few of them now in this calendar year. We supplied uh, a couple last year. So the, the growth is there. We're now seeing, and I was talking to a client the other day about um, innovations that are coming into the hitch manufacturers where they got, um, uh, I think they sort of call them oilless connections for their attachments. So quick, quick oil connections inside the quick hitch um, which is a big safety thing for people on site. Um, people aren't having to get out of the machine and especially on big machines, um, take out their spanners and take hoses on and off. So I think you know, that space in the next few years is going to become quite big. We're already hearing that through some of the major um, hitch manufacturers that we deal with. They are looking at doing um, you know, that oilless connection, um, hoseless connection as well. Um, and it is something that we're sort of keeping in tune with because it's, um, it's only going to offer benefits to the clients on site. Um, increased productivity um, and as I said you know an improvement in potential safety there as well without people getting on and off machines and walking around and sort of doing bits and pieces there as well so um, you know a few of the brands that we sort of deal with um, you, you, there's a few brands out there say when we look at um, excavators now bringing in um, technology pre-built into their machines um, our biggest excavator that we deal with Cabalco as a manufacturer have decided not to do that and and, and we believe it's a, a really good um, option not to do that for a few reasons. Um, one, cost. Yeah, you're paying for that within the uh, the machine build anyway. Yeah, you might get um, some sort of saving on it because it's factory fitted but um, you know, if we can bring in a machine to the spec that we need without that GPS and the client doesn't need that, well, obviously that client's offered the machine at that price. Um, if the client has a fleet of machines where he likes to, um, you know, use brand X um, GPS system, if we're bringing it with the opposite brand, that becomes a bit of a challenge. Um, and probably ultimately, um, you know, again, we've got the relationships with the um, the manufacturers here on the ground. So, you know, whoever they are, we can ensure that we're we're coupled and teamed with them. They're fitting the equipment into our machines in our workshop. And then the after sales and support is done locally here in Australia. Um, if it's done sort of overseas and something goes where it's actually an overseas sensor because, I mean, uh, with Cabalco excavators built out of Japan, they also service and um, supply to Europe and um, America and things like that. So if we had a sensor that was more um, to the American market than the Australian market, well, then we've got some issues and constraints in being able to sort of support that as a, as a brand Cabalco as opposed to the brand of the GPS supplier. So... Um, you know, we do get asked that a lot. Um, you know, we, we, we do have um, the factory option and we've worked with, you know, some major brands over there, but um, we can sort of have all the brackets and, and bits and pieces ready to go. Um, again, talking about some of the other hitch manufacturers, they're now building their hitches to have the GPS um, sensor brackets to be put straight into them. So effectively, everything's being delivered ready for the GPS guys to come in, put their brackets on, wire it in and away you go. So it's definitely a, a big part of the industry going into, into GPS. Oh, okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the company and, and the history of, of Melbourne Tractors? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one. My father-in-law asked me every time I see him how many tractors I sell. And, um, 
I've been here nearly ten years and I haven't sold one. So it's you know it's a, it's a funny situation. I work for a, you know a, a tractor named company and and obviously we've evolved into a construction brand very strong these days. So. The origin of the company obviously comes from ag days, um, you know, Ford, New Holland, um, back in the day when, um, you know, it, it started up and uh, that, that was a big part of the business and, you know, things like tractors and ag equipment, backhoes uh, were, were quite big and then eventually, um, you know, probably 25 years ago, you know, things like the New Holland skid steers came out and, um, you know, we're still dealing with generational customers that are that are coming back and, and uh, are loyal to both Melbourne tractors but the product that they've sort of seen and dealt with first with New Holland. Um, you know, New Holland sort of reflects a bit of like our business. They've put in a construction line to complement their um, their big ag line, um, and uh, and our business has done the same thing. So, metropolitan wise, now, um, yeah, well, Victoria wide, should I say? We've got four branches. So um, we've got our head office at Summerton, uh, which is mainly construction. Uh, we don't deal with ag through the metropolitan area anymore. That's done through the the sort of um, satellite branches of say New Holland now that do the ag stuff. Um, we've got our um, southeast branch over in Dandenong, which again is, is um, strong with our construction line. We've got our Ballarat Tractors Yard, which is which is our heart of where our agriculture is still kept and um, maintained and, and a big part of um, our business. And, and they service that sort of western region um, heavily with our ag product, um, New Holland, um, and and have also grown um, you know that belt of construction through all the brands that we deal with. Uh, we've got a branch down in Terang. Um, which is heavily ag, um, but there's also some options of, of construction creeping in there. Um, but obviously having a heartland out there to support that, that New Holland brand in the ag side of things has been big for us. So um, through those sort of four branches, we employ you know, roughly 70 people here in Victoria, um, you know, across sales, admin, service, technical support, um, various roles to, to you know, administer our, our, our business and, and, and assist our customers when machines have gone um, you know, into, into service or whatever it might be. Um, we obviously, uh, if you don't know, we're, you know Bris Vegas is also a, a sister company to us up in Brisbane, um, servicing sort of yeah South East land and, and the sort of top part of New South Wales. So uh, there's about 40 staff up there, and um, they've got the one branch at the moment. They're they're more heavily construction based um, with the brands that they deal with, and um, you know uh, they're, they're doing a great job. They've sort of they I, I don't know the timeline on it, but it might have been sort of four or five years ago they took over the Cabalco brand up there and. Um, that product's really grown um, through through Brisbane and, and what the guys have done up there through their heartland and probably no different to the um, you know the template that Melbourne have been able to grow on um, with the Melbourne tractors business. Um, you know, if I sort of backtrack to Melbourne, Cabalco originated with um, Ken bringing in imports. Okay, so the Cabalco for us was just imported low-out machines that were being brought in. There was a there was a Cabalco dealer here in Melbourne that was sort of servicing all of Australia. Um, they bring in the machines from the factory um, and they would supply them to the country. And then I think Cabalco saw a real growth uh, for Australia, for their product, for their brand, and they really needed to um, bring that in at a, you know, at a top profile level, if you know what I mean, and um, introduce their own office here in Australia. So that's when Cabalco Australia got introduced and I'd say that was sort of roughly 12, 13 years ago, something like that. Um, and they restructured their distribution network and, and the likes of Melbourne Tractors um, became the authorised dealer for new Cabelco excavators. Um, other brands that we deal with as well, so we do Cabelco, as I said, we do the ASV Positrack loaders, which, are, again, they've probably been doing them for 20 years. Um, a big product for us um, that's grown significantly. You know, Australia is probably the biggest seller for ASV um, track loaders globally um, and, and has been for a long time. Um, the states are very, um, yeah, seem to be very passionate about their cat machines 
Um, and ASV's only, only been a growing product for them. So it's gotten a lot bigger over there. Um, but we also deal with, as I said, New Holland um, construction. Uh, we deal with Merlot telehandlers now, which we've been doing for about four years. Is, is a really good, strong, growing product for us. And recently we've just taken over um, Davino dump trucks and CNF mini dumpers. So we, we look to complement you know, new equipment within our range that will help our clients that we're already dealing with, um, but also maybe get us to establish some clients in markets where we might not already be at the moment with some other products. Um, and look, the business is pretty strong in reinvesting um, into their own business. So we, we also manufacture our own um, attachments and buckets and um, mainly for our excavator range, we've got our Ken built um, attachment range and MSB hammers. So Ken's been doing the MSB stuff for as long as I've been with the company. So it's probably somewhere between 10 to 15 years and heavily looking at, um, as I said, our own attachments and the, the Ken built ones uh, are the ones that we now bring in. And um, yeah, we, we're trying to ensure that we've got quality um, attachments at a, at a cost-effective price so we can bundle up a whole package for our clients and and make supply pretty quick as we saw in the last few years sometimes we've had supply constraints with equipment and um, there's no point having your machines out there if you can't have your attachments to go on um, and get them out at, at the same time so um, you now the likes of the company that I, I used to work with Digger, um, Norm Engineering and there's a number of other ones that we're also preferred um, suppliers for and we, we buy in and stock their gear so that we've got parts available for customers you know again depending on whether they need them from a quick turnaround time and stuff as well so it's a pretty diverse business it's, it's a fairly big scale there's a, there's a big turnover there and um, you know I'm fortunate that I basically um, I sell any um, sort of of those items within my territory, including used equipment. We sort of, you know, touch on that before. Um, I'm responsible for, you know, sales inquiries in my territory, and we've got six other sales guys um, here in Victoria who do who who do an identical job. And um, basically, if you need something, you you can ring us. We can be a one stop shop. Um, my my approach on things, which I think is sort of mirrored from the top, is that you know we we want clients ringing us and looking for solutions. And if we don't have um, the answer, or if we don't have that product. Um, we'll let them know we can make a few phone calls and see what we can do or if it comes to the point we can't actually assist them directly um, you know, we try and provide some, some assistance or a number for where they could go so I, I think that goes a long way again in building that relationship with our, with our customers Yeah no, that, that's true and in, in my uh, situations you've helped me out with finance um, you know, all the servicing and that so yeah you do you offer a lot more than just sales Yeah, actually um, I've got uh, uh, something to show everyone. I just thought about this. When I do my live, um, I do some lives on TikTok, and people often ask me. People often ask me to show them what my models are in the background, and um, I'll just show the type of after sales I get. This is when I bought my 14 tonner. Sean, Sean actually uh, organised a model for me to be sent out as a bit of a, a post sales um, thing, and he's actually printed Eagle One Industries on there. So. That's the effort that you go to. So uh, good, good skills there. But yeah, a lot of people ask me about these models in the background. So you just oh, they're you just... they're awesome. You you see when you walk into businesses and and you do see some of their little um, setups inside. And there's a lot of people that get they get truck models and, and excavator models, and we get asked for a lot for them. And um, I, I don't think they're building as much as they used to. So it's it's actually something I should look more into because it's it's something that's in high demand and people are pretty proud about that. And you know, something you touch on there, it's really funny. You know, you, you go and deliver a machine to a client, you know, whether it's a 15 ton excavator and 
the first thing they're looking for and then probably more excited for is you know, maybe that, that sort of marketing package or you know that, that excavator that we might give more a jacket, we might give more the hat. So um, we can't go empty-handed to site when we're doing our handover sometimes. Otherwise, uh, yeah, the clients are disappointed before we even get there. Yeah, it's funny how you say that because even when I used to have operators and that, they used to all say to me when I bought a machine, oh, where's our jackets? Where's our hats? So everyone's <laughs> expecting something straight away. Yeah. So they're more excited about that than the actual um, machine. Uh, and what about um, so you guys? Do you, you don't do rentals um, at the moment, do you? No, we don't. Not not here in Victoria. So th- that's really uh, it. Would really be a, a different um, sub business to us. Really, like the resources that we have in place now, we we just don't have them to be able to sustain something like that. Um, Kane up in Brisbane um, has has uh, implemented that that up into the business up there. Um, probably more in in the sense that it's and it's assisted them to drive their sales. Um, they, they, they wanted to use that as an establishment for that brand up there, people into Cabelcos, more people you get into Cabelcos, that word flows and people then, if, if they're hiring machines, they tend to hire and then buy the machine that they've been, they've been um, renting or hiring. Um, we've probably been a bit more cautious down here for a number of reasons. Um, you know, One uh, is not to step on the toes of our existing clients as well. It's a bit of a delicate one that if you go into rental, um, you're sometimes almost competing against some of those clients that we've got as well. Um, a lot of the major brands down here do have their own higher, um, you know, high business. Obviously, Cat Rental do. Um, you know, Hitachi have their own setup. Um, Komatsu. Um, you can go through a number of them. Pretty much, they all do. But it is something that we, um, if we were going to do it, you've got to have the resources, the infrastructure right. Um, but we've sort of found our growth is with a lot of the clients. I think you know, uniquely down here in Melbourne, we've been different to how Brisbane have progressed their growth. Um, you know, our growth has been done sort of naturally through a lot of the big civil guys that we've had, and we've had um, a lot of their subbies branch off and buy our Cabelcos and you know continue to work back for those clients. Um, who, who did you use to sub before on your two ten? Uh, it depends. Yeah, when I had that, I worked for Winslow. Uh, Simon Brothers, a few of those other bigger civil companies. Yeah, I thought, yeah, so Simon Brothers are, are a classic one for us that, um, you know, I, I can count how many guys, you know, have built their, um, you know, their, their their first or bought their first excavator off us based on being, you know, someone on Simon Brothers' sites. And, and I think I recall that as well. So, um, you yeah, know, that, that only helps us, you know, continue to grow our brand with other people. And, um, you know, we always say to clients, one of the things I say to clients when I've delivered a machine is, is you know, um, if anyone asks about the excavator or about um, Melbourne tractors, just please be honest with them, but please hand our number. And, and I think that's, again, something that's been, um, you know, really positive for, for our business. Um, Nothing's ever going to be, um, you know, trouble-free or non-problematic or whatever. You're going to come across things, whether it's, you know, something related to the machine or something related to, you know, on-site difficulties as we're seeing at the moment with some of the vandalism and bits and pieces going on on-site. Um, but, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to be there to try and assist and support that where we can. Okay, so um, what about expos and things like that? Do you attend any of those expos and things that... Uh, around Australia? Uh, yeah, since, again, since sort of COVID or yeah, even pre-COVID, um, again, I think people are people are shopping online. You know, our presence online, um, brand presence online, your ability to go and do your research now is not really like it used to be going to a field day. Um, people still go there. Um, we didn't go to Elmore. Um, sorry, not Elmore. Um, yeah, Elmore recently. Sorry, there's, there's Henty and then Elmore. We didn't go to Elmore. Um, there was a few OEMs that didn't go there like us, ourselves. And, um, 
it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge that one now too. So um, we're probably more selective with that, or the discussions that we're sort of having also about probably more direct doing a show that's you know based around exclusively Melbourne tractors doing something. Um, if you know what I mean, hey, just we're going to do a, a show based on our products and and come and do an open day or something like that. So. Um, where four or five years ago, we used to attend selected shows, um, not as many. The ag guys do, um, but the construction side of things seems to be a lot different now. And, and I think that's driven by our client base, again, as I said, yeah, doing their research. Um, by the time they generally are talking to us, um, they've already done some background research with the bits and pieces. They're just finding out um, you know, the machine availability, um, you know, maybe what's unique with our machine compared to another machine based off what they may not know that, and they've seen online. Um, so yeah, field days. I think they're I think they're sort of a dying a dying trade. So well, I think we'll still go to a few um, in the future, but we're we're probably more selective about um, the ones that we'll go to. And if we've got a new product, that's the thing. If you're going to the same show three or four years in a row, you're bringing the same product. What what are you offering different outside of your presence? Um, that that's probably the only thing you're offering, isn't it? So um, you know, I think sometimes the return for investment on those trade shows aren't as great as what they used to be, and that's why people used to go to them. Um, we still bring some construction gear more to those sort of um, ag, ag sort of combo construction shows. There was one down in Gippsland earlier this year. Um, I think we might have sold a couple of machines off that. Um, but the reality is you want to go to those machines to sell a machine to someone you've never dealt with, you've never seen. Um, you know, and the machines we probably sold down in, in um, uh, Gippsland there were guys that we had been talking to. So um, I think that's how you got to judge whether they're worthwhile us going to because it's also a big cost resource-wise as well as, you know, transport-wise and logistics and stuff like that to have um, to have your sales guys out of the office and, and a few things like that. It can be a bit of a challenge because, um, you know, things, things are still really busy in the industry for us. So um, you almost sort of put your, your, your line through two or three or four days worth of work and you're playing a lot of catch-up. So, um, yeah, not to say we don't, but yeah, we're, we're fairly selective with what we look at these days. And as I said, I think with the internet and the amount of people you see now go online and they go to the blogs and they ask questions and they can sort of talk to the industry. Um, you, you know, there's local pages now on all the social media things where people are talking to each other and using it to their advantage as far as, you know, if they need someone or where can we dump dirt and stuff like that. But they can also ask questions um, online. And sometimes that's, that's, that's difficult because, you know, they, 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 they get, interesting answers on some responses I sometimes see. Um, and, and, and it's like yourself, you know, um, I think when they get advice from other people, that those people are generally, um, I wouldn't say always orientated to one brand, but their preference might be brand Cabelco, that might be brand whatever. Um, and that's because they've got a history there. But it, it's, I think it also reflects on your relationship with who you're dealing with. Okay, so you could go to um, a, a company that's fantastic what they do and, and, and you and I have got a great relationship and then um, you might deal with someone interstate that could be completely different and a different brand and you sort of don't get that relationship. Um, you don't t tend to sort of click with that client um, and you're not getting that after-sales support. So that's why our job's sort of really important that, you know, when um, when people are looking for a machine, we, we, we take it serious. Um, we, we, we get all the information we need. We try and get back to that client as quickly as we can, as professionally as we can, um, to, to give them the information to pretty much make a decision. So the next time we have a conversation with them, um, you know, yeah, hopefully they're ready to buy or they can sort of give us feedback, you know, exactly where they're at. What about, um, so Cabalco being uh, based in Japan, do you ever get the opportunity to go and see their factory or do any of the other guys at the company get to go there? Yeah, so I've been I've been fortunate enough to, to go across there. Um, COVID obviously pulled the handbrake up on that because we couldn't do international travel. Um, so yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough just recently to go across with the owner Ken, um, 
and Cabelco Australia, it's, um, it's, I think it's sort of done once a year and it was you know, a long time ago. Um, the story actually goes that I think Ken came up with the concept. Um, he wanted to bring a few of his clients over to the factory um, to, to, to show them the product um, to probably cement that um, understanding of what um, the principles and, and um, you know, the beliefs of how Cabelco build their machines. And, and, um, and I think it just sort of strengthens that relationship when you can go to the factory, to the people, to the country and sort of see, okay, well, this is where it comes from. And um, the attention to detail that, that Cabelco factory has as far as when they build a machine, um, their process for building machine is um, unbelievable. Like they, they plan to build um, a certain amount of machines per day and they've got that product coming through on that day. They've got any supply chain stuff coming through on that day. So I think it's on time manufacturing they call it. So everything's just coming in on time as that engine's being put in. It's come off a truck this morning. Um, that cross track frame or that dip round has been built and welded that, that day prior. It's then, then assembled that day. It's all, it's all um, pretty, um, pretty interesting to see and, and it's a big scale environment. So um, I have been fortunate enough to go across there. Um, you know, Japan's an amazing country as well, so I would be you know, fortunate enough to go and see that. But um, it, 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 from my point of view as well, it really, um, you know, it really has an impact with me taking a lot more pride selling that machine um, to, to my customers, knowing where it comes from and, and the attention to detail it goes to as well. So, um, yeah. All right. That sounds awesome, yeah. I've had the opportunity to go to Japan myself um, beautiful, beautiful country and, and beautiful people as well. Nice and humble. Um, we probably could take some lessons from them, but, uh, yeah, they're very, very, um, very nice country. It is. It's very, like you said there, I think it is that they're, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're just genuinely nice people. And, um, they actually, you know, we sticks out in my mind from that, that walk we went on, um, during the, um, couple of months ago that they would actually stop and acknowledge the Australian people. So when they do this tour, so I'll, sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit, but so Ken, I think, wanted to take a couple of customers over there and, and got the go-ahead to do that. And um, it went so well that Cabalco Australia decided, hey, we should probably do this on a national level. So what they actually do is they then uh, look to take, um, you know, maybe 30 to 40 people over there, which is a contingency of, um, you know, probably if they can um, go there, is each dealer is invited to go. And then they they probably select two or three customers. It's it's not a big trip. Um, it's it's fairly selective. And the unfortunate thing is, we'd love to take all of our customers over there. It's just really tough logistically to do that. Um, but yeah, from there, it's basically administrated by Cabelco Australia. Um, you know, the dealers, as I said, myself and Ken went, so we had um, three with us. So there was only five from Melbourne, and and most dealers are sort of like that, or some of the smaller ones that might just be um, the dealer principal and one or two of their customers. Um, you sort of go for five days. It's a pretty quick trip. You do, um, you know, you do some, um, you know, sightseeing as such and sort of seeing a little bit about the history of Japan in some of the things, which is really, really good. Um, and then you obviously go and take those factory tours as well. And um, we went to, um, you know, Ground Zero in Hiroshima, which was, again, a really humbling experience. And, um, you know, when you're sort of standing in, you know, a situation of such a historic event and stuff like that, like Japan's such a, an amazing country and where they're sort of, you know, rebuilt back to and what they do and their manufacturing as far as, and one of the things I say to a lot of my clients is when, you, when you're talking a Japanese excavator, you're talking about an excavator that's built at the highest standard and you really see that when you go over there about the, the way they, they build the machine, but they've just got a passion about what they do. You know, there's, um, there's, there's, there's no fuss, there's no complaints, there's no rubbish anywhere, it's all clean. It comes through um, really, really well, really, really neat. And then you've got people at the back end of the line, you know, making sure that the machine's coming out 
um, in showroom um, condition and um, even to the extent if they if they have a slow up on a line somewhere um, you know through their little plant lines they've got little little areas um, if they're a little bit behind because they actually have um, you know a number to meet at it like through the day and they've, they've got a certain amount of time in their bays to work if they're not up to speed uh, they'll actually have some people come across and 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 help out and get that and get that um, that stage up to date. Um, so at the end of the day, they deliver what they have to. They, they, if they had to deliver 34 excavators, they'll deliver 34 excavators or build 34 excavators. They they wouldn't build 15 and just um, you know go with that. So yeah, yeah, no, you're right because I, I have the opportunity to go to the Toyota car manufacturing plant, and you know it's the same thing. Japanese, they're so so uh, stringent with their deadlines. They they talk about lean manufacturing, 5s, all these keeping everything clean and have they have all these procedures and everything is set in its way to, to get the most efficient uh, production line, you know? So I imagine they'd be exactly like that at Cabell. Um, what about, so coming up towards the end of talking about the fact, the Melbourne tractors, what are the future plans that um, you can share with us? What, what, are they looking to do anything? Are they looking to expand maybe in other states? Or? No, so I think... Our plans, to be honest, and I said we've had growth on growth on growth, which has been really positive for the company. I think the biggest challenge we've seen that probably everyone listening and and, and watching this will be is, is actually finding staff to continue to help our business grow and, and support the needs and demands that we've got, whether that be through the sales department or through our admin department and things like that. So probably our biggest focus at the moment is ensuring that we've got um, you know a team of people on, um, on board and in place that can um, continue to help us grow. Um, we we service we sell a number of machines. You know, like um, last year we sold just under four hundred Cabelco new excavators. So that, that's only one brand in the business that we do. We at the moment we're on track to deliver over four hundred this calendar year. Now that's both Brisbane and Melbourne. Now um, we then have to service and you know and support those machines in the field. Um, I, I think with the big build going on here in Melbourne, a few other things that, that I don't know what's happened through COVID is people have been selective with their their work and what they want to do and we've actually found it a bit tough at times with mechanics getting getting more mechanics on board um, and qualified people to to, um, to to build and grow into our mechanical um, division I think we're also seeing maybe a, a bit of a decline in that industry as we've probably seen in the last 10 or 15 years for diesel mechanics it's making it a real challenge for that area of our business to continue to grow as well so it's a real challenge which we're always trying to put on um, apprentices to try and bring them through an apprenticeship um, you know they're, they're very focused on, on providing that um, you know pathway for people that want to um, do an apprenticeship um, you know and, and if anyone does reach out to Melbourne Tractors um, we're happy to look at that um, and then trying to get them to be fully qualified and, and look and then obviously the challenge is to, to hold on to them and keep them within the business and as I said we've got some some long serving staff and, and continue, continue to have some long serving staff in the business which, which helps us grow and generate but um we're not looking at expanding into any more branches from 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 what i understand terang was probably our most recent one that 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 really complements our ballarat yard to service that western region in victoria um when you look at density of population and things like that we're set up in the in the north at summerton we're set up in the southeast and we're set up out of ballarat so sort of geographically we've sort of got you know most of the state that we do cover covered fairly well um you will have the odd challenge in some of those small um, country or bigger country towns, what I say, where they might have opposition dealers up there, um, the likes of Bendigo and Shepparton. But yeah, you, know, you can't, you can't, you can't set up satellite dealers in every little small town. It's just not, 
logistically pop, um, possible, but it's then how we service and supply those machines and keep our clients up there happy. But I think Brisbane um, is they're they're busting at the seams as far as where they are at the moment. They perhaps have built their facility um, probably four or five or six years ago, um, and the rate they've been growing out, they've um, you know their, their next move is probably going to a bigger facility. Um, how and when that happens, that that's probably the next thing if there was something looking at happening. But that's just um, you know natural growth involvement from how they've run that business up there. So. As I said, I think the biggest challenge for us has always been in the last couple of years is just um, continuing to build our our business as far as resources and staff, um, and um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can sort of continue to do that to help the likes of you guys out there on site um, to to you know to supply the equipment needs, but then as I said, uh, service them and, and keep them going as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I suppose that leads us to the the final segment of the episode so i wanted to just talk a bit more about specific machinery and the model ranges and stuff that you sell yeah so if we start with cabelco i know that's sort of a very prominent brand with us um yeah we we sell the cabelco excavator range here in melbourne which starts at our little sk008 um sort of 800 900 kilo machine uh, all the way up to our sk850 which is just over 80 ton uh, we've just sold two of them out of melbourne which uh, we have been asking for uh, over a number of years, probably the last three or four years. I know Ken's been really keen to see that machine come into Melbourne, knowing where that sort of range and scope of work has been and the demand within the industry has been there. Um, it's been a machine that's been overseas um, you know, for the last sort of 10 to 15 years. Um, it's, not a new, it's not a new excavator to Cabelco. It's a new excavator to Australia. Um, and it's sort of, for us, it's a smaller mining application, sort of small to large scale quarry application, but also where we sort of service our first two was um, into um, subdivision, you know, where we've got that hard rock uh, in the north and the, and the west. Um, and we've successfully supplied our first two into a couple of clients there. Um, and the feedback on those machines are fantastic. Um, you know, if we go down the line, um, Cabelco, I think one of their strengths over the time I've certainly been with Cabelco is originally they were probably recognized maybe as, as more of an agricultural product in the sense of maybe the quality of the, the machine technology and, and, and some of those things as far as what they might compare to other brands. Um, but what they've done in the last 10, 10 years is really shaped to, to where we are today in the industry and here in Australia. So they've been able to redevelop products, um, redevelop models, um, bring out um, newer models um, with, with, with better um, you know, features and, and engine specs or whatever it needs to be based on what the market's um, wanting. Um, you know, from Australia's point of view, we feed them back a lot of stuff um, to the factories as what we would like. Um, some of the machines that we get over here in Australia are completely different to what machines uh, they supply locally in Japan or, or overseas as well. Um, uh, probably our two most, sort of three most recent machines that we sort of had come through um, were redevelopments of previous models. So our SK350 and our SK500, our 35 and 50 tonne machines, um, were reinforced to uh, to be upgraded to what they call an XD series machine. So a much stronger build quality machine, for, you know, for, for an overseas build, which again, it was a machine that was sort of supplied to overseas where they were working in, um, you know, quarries and, and mining applications that was brought into Australia because we're only finding our ground, grounds not getting softer, it's getting harder. And, uh, and they've taken off really, really well because we've been able to bring, um, you know, an upgrade to that machine, you know. So, um, you know, the quality of um, the build of your, your wearing parts, 
parts, your high wearing parts, where you, whether it's through your undercarriage, your boom or your arm, um, your regeneration on your um, hydraulic system and, and what Cabalco is renowned for and we, we um, obviously sell very hard to the industry is our low fuel consumption um, is something that customers have really recognized and, and obviously been able to build their business on. We've recently introduced a 10-tonner. Um, we sort of had... We went from an eight and a half ton up to a, our, our 135, which is basically a 15 ton machine. So we've just introduced our 10 tonner and the launch on that's been fantastic. We've, we've sold a number of machines off there as well. And, um, you know, we bought in a, a 380 um, short radius, which, you know, since we've launched that, um, the sales on that have been fantastic because the market's been there for it in the urban environment, um, you know, where people are working in that, that tighter access and that road space as well. Um, and I'd certainly say in the next sort of you know year to two that the the development on some of our other models will will start to go to potentially new models and there's things they're no doubt working in the background as far as um, you know some of the lower emissions technologies that people are looking at um, you know hybrid based machines lithium powered machines you know all, all that sort of stuff you know the the factory investigating that stuff already but you know for us it's going to be a, a long period of um, you know time down the track before that that really comes into play but. Um, yeah, as, as far as brand goes, I think their strength's been their, their their development and their redevelopment of their product, and and really bringing out you know equipment that our clients have um, you know taken to, and, and actually maybe when they've actually bought one model, by the time they've upgraded that, they've gone into a newer model, um, and uh, they're getting a genuine upgrade as opposed to just going into the same machine you know two or three times. One of the other advantages I think Cabalco have at the moment is that we we're um, we're listening to the market. So the market um, is really in Australia asking for tier three engines. They they want to try and stay away from that tier four engine space if they can. Um, it's not because Cabalco um, have had issues in that space. It's probably just that people are aware that you've got to carry add blue fuel in some circumstances. You've got extra sensors. You've got extra complexity in some of the um, the running stuff of that machine. But um, we can go to the market with most of our models, not all of them, but most of them now and, um, and offer tier three or tier four. Um, we are seeing our smaller machines come out in tier four. It's just a DPF. Um, and that's something that's fairly common and accepted and standard around here. But it's probably in that bigger space where, um, you know, especially as I said, AdBlue, if people can steer away from that, um, they're preferably looking to do that. Um, again, some of the high companies that we deal with, um, they don't want that because you know, they're relying on the people that they're supplying to, to to do the right thing and it's a costly thing if they don't. So I think that's been a real strength of what Cabalco has done. They've actually brought in models in Tier 4 engine and then actually pushed them back out and, and reintroduced a Tier 3 and we've seen um, you know, the sales in those areas have, have been complemented because that's what the customers are asking for. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. And so that that's your your Cabalco range. What what about so the ASV and and the other ones? Yeah, so ASV's been a again a really big product for us, and and they've actually redeveloped their line. So the history with ASV is, um, you know, the origins origins of the machine are back to that brand ASV, um, and from about 2011, um, 2012 to probably 2017, 2018, that product was branded rebranded as Terex, um, and. Uh, uh, they just bought a majority share into the business um, as far as probably an invested interest. And um, yeah, that sort of yeah, scaled for about that sort of seven year period. And then um, probably around, as I said, 2017, 2018, ASV uh, came back in and bought that, that share back and became the majority shareholder. And um, I think part of doing that was the, the R&D has always been through ASV. So um, they redesigned and developed a lot of the equipment. Um, we've seen a lot more machines, um, you know, designed and, and into the range in the last three or four years than we probably have seen in the last 10 years. Um, and in the next 12 to 
18, possibly 24 months, there's already an earmark of new products coming through um, through ASV. Um, and a lot of that's actually driven now by um, Yanmar. So Yanmar also have an invested interest back into ASV um, and they're, they're providing you know, ASV to build those machines based on how they've designed and built them. Um, but you'll start to see some of that Yanmar influence as far as the engines into those machines, which we think is a fantastic thing because a, a number of our um, Cabalco excavators, obviously, they run a Yanmar engine at the moment. Um, but ASV is very unique. Um, and, and that's the one thing that, again, we're sort of fortunate. We've got a, a class-leading product that, that's so unique to the industry that um, it doesn't really have much a comparison to um, other, other models and other makes when it comes to specific, um, you know, design principles on the ASV. Um, we've got two of the smallest machines available on the market, which is our 25 and 38 horsepower machines. And then we go right up to a 135 horsepower machine, which um, when you talk um, hydraulic horsepower, is, is it feeds the most hydraulic horsepower into an attachment um, and sustains that from a, from a point of view. So, um, again, with the principles of its undercarriage design and its patented um, drive system, um, we've got a lot of clients that, uh, that have come across to ASV and have stuck with it, in, in especially that urban application because their principle is based around a low footprint. And um, especially when we're working in tight areas um, and, you know, over pipes and, and over slabs and things like that, you, you really need that sort of machine. So um, the biggest challenge, as I said to you earlier, is with ASV is, is the lead time. They had massive um, issues in the US with COVID and shutdowns and stuff like that. Um, we're also challenged with their supply chain. And what Australia did, let alone the US in amongst that time, was smash them with orders. And I, I, I sort of heard at one stage that, the Australian market had ordered 12 months worth of what would be normal orders, like a, a, you know what, what they build in a 12-month period. Um, we ordered that in a four-month period. So that's going to make it really hard for them to, to basically um, build and supply them in what were normal lead times. So we're still encountering the, the issue with not having machines in stock. So when people sort of drive past our dealership, they'll see machines there, but they're machines that could be, um, um, some of them could have been on order two years ago um, and some of them up to 12 months. So that's probably our, our biggest challenge with them at the moment. We are going to start to see that improve. Um, but yeah, we're just, we've sort of been at that ground zero for a little bit. And out of all the machinery now, what's the sort of most popular one? Do you have one that's like a, the biggest sort of seller? In um, oh, at the moment, if we sort of talk to excavators, like our one three five, our our fifteen ton machine um, is globally a, a class leader, um, and also here in Australia. Um, so I'd probably say that's you know our, our flagship model for for what better of a word. And then um, probably recently, you know, the the, the three eighty XD and that five hundred XD um, has have been really popular. The the work, the scope of work in that larger scale of machinery now, especially we're seeing in Victoria. Um, is is bigger than it's ever been before. So um, outside that, yeah, probably um, our ASVs, our RT60 um, is is and has been our most popular model for a, for a very very long time. And um, it's it's so popular, in fact, that you the US pulled it out of their production line when they when they revamped a lot of these models about four or five years ago. They pulled it out of their production line. Um, didn't even let Australia know and we've got clients that um, specifically have their trucks and trailers and, and equipment set up for that machine um, and at, at, at three tonne operating weight at, at just under 1600 Y with a 60 horsepower engine there's nothing like it on the market um, and we push back to the US to say hey gosh you can't you can't pull that out of the, the, the line because the next machines you know 
six or seven hundred kilo heavier it's a lot wider it's just it's not the same it, it changes everything here and the, the, the demands there so um you know my understanding is the australian market we're told from the factory well, we're going to build x amount per year and you guys have to take them and and we've been doing that so it hasn't been wouldn't have been a concern for us but um that that is our number one selling machine in in asv mm. all right interesting um now how can listeners find or contact you if, if they're interested in buying a machine or something uh, yeah, well, look, uh, most guys can just Google us these days. I think that's how you find everything. That's how my kids find stuff. Um, you can ask Alexa, yeah. you can ask Google or whatever it is. Um, yeah, but obviously, yeah, Melbourne Tractors, um, as I said, you, we're, we're based out of Somerton, so um, we're contactable um, via phone. Uh, we're on social media platforms. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're probably on a lot, of, a lot of other stuff. I don't run our marketing side of things, but that's actually been something that we've been focusing on quite heavily to publicize our, our things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know how else you find people, but yeah, just, just Google us and you'll be able to, you know, be able to find us. And, and look, we always, uh, enjoy new clients coming in and, um, coming into our dealership is a big thing for us, you know, especially, um, having gone through what we've gone through. One of the things I say to a lot of clients, especially if they're new clients is, Hey, come in and see us before you do make that decision or come in and, um, you know, grab a coffee or come and have a look at what Melbourne Tractors is about. If you don't know what we're about. Um, because there's still people that don't know who we are. It's, it's amazing to think we're such a big company that there are still people who don't know who Melbourne tractors are. And they probably think, well, why would I go to a tractor place? I need, I need this product. So come, come and see us, grab a coffee, grab a cold drink, whatever. You come in, you'll see what the business is about. Once you come in and, and see that, um, I think when you walk away, you, you, you know that you're dealing with a company that's got a lot of experience. Um, it's, it's got, you know, hopefully a very good reputation out there that we, we continue to try and uphold. Um, and it's going to give you the after sales support that you need. Um, it's not a company that's going to fold up its shed overnight, um, and not be there for the long term. It's, um, it's a business here to help anyone, whether it's a one ton excavator, um, funnily enough, when I, when I first started my first machine, I sold was a second hand one ton excavator. So I really, I really started from scraping the barrel, but you know, that, that's where you start and that's what that client needed. We're able to you know, service that need. So it doesn't matter what you need, whether it's a, a, a ripper or, again, my background being attachments, I was able to sort of um, work through with some clients and supply them attachments to start with and eventually that machine needed upgrading and the fact that we went out and dropped off that or we did this, um, they came back and gave us that opportunity. So, yeah, come in and see us. You, 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 I think you walk away pretty happy with the people that we are and, and if you need something down the track that, you know, we're, we're um, you know, a family-owned business that's going to treat you hopefully fairly uniquely within the industry. All right. Okay. Thank you uh, to Sean for for joining us today. Um, you've provided some some really good info on yourself and the company. I'm sure the listeners will be um, enjoying this. Uh, yeah. Thank you for being my sponsors to Melbourne Tractors. Um, I'll put all your contact details in the description. Um, but obviously, you can go to melbournetractors.com.au, and I think they've got a YouTube page now. Um, they've got their Instagram and, and Facebook and, and other socials. So just type in Melbourne Tractors or Bruce Vegas and you'll find them. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Sean, for your coming in and having a chat. Thanks for having me. Contact me if you've got any feedback or suggestions. And uh, I hope, hope you've uh, enjoyed this session and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening.